Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 71 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about our discoveries in the Bible study challenge of Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. Let's dive in. In the last episode, I gave a Bible study challenge to examine the parallels between Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. Now, these are the only four chapters in scripture where sin is not present, and the parallels are rather extraordinary. In Genesis 1 and 2, we have the creation of the world prior to the fall of humanity. And in Revelation 21 and 22, it picks up after sin, death, and the devil are dealt with and cast into the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 20. So of these four chapters, several amazing parallels are discovered. So what I want to do is I want to walk through several of these. Now, if you'd like to see the actual references for each of these parallels, you can see the entire list and their references by going to the show notes page for this episode at deeperchristian.com forward slash 71. Now, let's dive in. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk through the parallels of Genesis and Revelation and just kind of show you how the themes and these ideas that begin in Genesis 1 and 2 find their fulfillment in Revelation 21 and 22. All right, let's get going. In Genesis, it says that God was in the very beginning. And in Revelation, it's interesting that Jesus' name is the beginning, and it's also the first. So again, and we know that from Colossians and other writings in the New Testament, that Jesus was smack dab in the middle of the creation scene, speaking creation into existence. But I love the fact that even in the book of Revelation, Jesus' name is the beginning and the first. Now, this one's going to be a little obscure, but... In, in the book of Genesis, it gives the name of God as Elohim, but there's a Hebrew word that's not translated. It's actually the two letters of Hebrew, the Aleph and the Tav. It's the first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the reason that's significant is because as you come into the book of Revelation, Jesus reveals his name as the Alpha and the Omega, which is the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. So it's beautiful that even in the book of Genesis, in the very first verse, you have in the beginning God... Elohim, and then it has this olive tav. And it really bespeaks of this idea of the olive, the tav, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And in other words, it's a, again, it's just another picture of the Trinity God speaking creation into existence, 
which is just phenomenal. In Genesis, we have the creation of the heaven and earth. And in Revelation, we have the creation of the new heaven and the new earth for the first have passed away. It's interesting also that the language of Genesis 1.1 and Revelation 21 verse 1 is nearly the same. Listen to this. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, in the, and then in Revelation 21 verse 1, it says that I saw a new heavens and a new earth, which is actually a quotation from Isaiah 65 verse 17. But you get that same language of the, the heavens and the earth. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a parallel. In Genesis, you see the spirit hovering or moving over the face of the deep. But in Revelation, the spirit is in the midst of the city crying out with a bride saying, come, speaking about Jesus. In Genesis, we have the division of light from dark. But in Revelation, it says that there is no darkness. There, there is no night. In Genesis, there's a division of the land and the sea that the firmament separated. But in Revelation, it says that there is no more sea. In Genesis, the sun and the moon and the stars were created to rule. But in Revelation, it says that there is no need for the sun or the moon. For the glory of God is its light and its lamb is its lamp. And interestingly, also, the fact that Genesis was, was not just a creation of the sun and the moon, but the stars as well. It's neat that in the book of Revelation, the name of Jesus, one of his names, is that he is the bright and morning star. In Genesis, we also see that man was created to rule over the animals and to tend and to keep the garden. But in Revelation, it's, it's amazing that man continues to get to rule, but his primary purpose is to serve God. In Genesis, God created man and placed him in a prepared garden. And in Revelation, you find man in a prepared city, which is in fact actually the bride itself or the church. In Genesis, man is made in God's image. And in Revelation, man gets to live in the midst of God's presence. In Genesis, there's this bridegroom known as Adam and his bride, Eve. But in the book of Revelation, you have the bridegroom known as Jesus, the second Adam, and his bride known as the church. In Genesis, we have this bride being formed out of and for her husband. And in Revelation, we find this bride who's been prepared and adorned for her husband. In Genesis, we have the marriage of the first Adam. And in Revelation 19, and you get a glimpse of this in chapter 21 as well, but you have the marriage of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. In Genesis, God gives a command to multiply and in Revelation, we find that that multiplication has happened to the point where there are now nations. In Genesis, there's a river flowing out of Eden. But in Revelation, there's a river flowing from God's throne. In Genesis, it's, it mentions that there is gold, bdellium, and onyx stone. And some scholars say that it's actually gold, pearl, and precious stone. And it's interesting that when you come to the book of Revelation, what you find is that gold, pearl, and a variety of precious stones were created or used to create the streets and the gates and the foundations. In fact, it says that the entire city is made out of a pure gold. In Genesis, you see the tree of life in the midst of the garden. And in Revelation, there's the tree of life on both sides of the river. And it seems to kind of take up the entire city when you kind of read it. In Genesis, in chapter 3, verse 8, you find that God is walking in the garden with man. But in Revelation, it says that God tabernacles or dwells with his people. In Genesis, the garden was accessible to the liar, that the enemy, the, the devil in a serpent form came in and the liar himself had access. But in Revelation, the city is closed off to all liars. 
In Genesis, God gives man a command not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Revelation, even though we know that man fell in Genesis chapter 3, in Revelation, the redemption of that, all of that has taken place, and man is now called an overcomer and a son. Literally, that he is an heir. Now, if you extend this parallel from just Genesis chapters 1 and 2 into also chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, where sin enters in, what you see in Revelation 21 and 22 is basically the, the reverse of the curse that began in chapter 3. In other words, in chapter 3 of Genesis, Eve and Adam partake of the fruit. They fell into sin. It was what, what we call the fall. And obviously, the rest of this, all the rest of the Bible is this annunciation of God coming to redeem humanity back into relationship and intimacy, the forgiveness of sins so that we can really worship and glorify him with all that we are. And in Revelation 21 and 22, sin's now been dealt with, and you literally see the reversing of the curse that God pronounced in chapter 3 of Genesis. For example, in chapter 3 of Genesis, sin enters the world, but in Revelation 21, it is literally the end of sin itself. That the world is cursed because of sin in the book of Genesis, but in Revelation, it says that there is no more curse. Genesis, it says that man was going to experience death but Revelation 21.4 declares that there is no more death. That one of the aspects of the curse in, in Genesis 3 is that there would be daily sorrow. And Revelation says that in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no more sorrow. That the aspect of the curse in Genesis was that there would be thorns and thistles. But Revelation says there's going to be no more pain. That in, uh, in the book of Genesis, it says that there's going to be sweat upon the face of man out of all the work. And interestingly, it doesn't mention that there's not work in, in the new heavens and the new earth. Presumably there is because God gave work to humanity even prior to the fall. But what's interesting is that one of the results of the fall was that there'd be sweat upon the face or the brow of man. But the interesting parallel of this, it's, it's kind of maybe a thin parallel if you want to say it that way. But in Revelation, it says there's no more tears, that there'll be no more wetness upon your face. I just think that's an interesting thought, and I don't know what to do with it yet, but it's just an interesting pondering. In Genesis, it says that one of the aspects of the fall was that they were to eat the plants of the field. But in Revelation, the tree of life is bearing 12 different kinds of fruit. In Genesis 3, because of the fall, God covered Adam and Eve with a garment of skin, which is a phenomenal Christophany in and of itself. But in Revelation, it says that those who are in the new heavens and the new earth are clothed with fine linen, linen white and pure, literally spotless. In Revelation 3, we find that Satan is tempting. And then later in the curse, we find that he is going to be opposing the seed of the woman. But in Revelation, Satan himself is banished. In Genesis, we find that the way to the tree of life is blocked, that God put cherubim in the way so that they could not get to the tree of life. But Revelation 22 tells us that there is continual access to the tree of life. In Genesis, it says that man was removed from Eden, but in Revelation, man is restored and invited to dwell with God. In a similar sense, in Genesis, it says that he was banished from the garden. But again, the gates of the city of Revelation are never shut. There's always free entry and access. In Genesis, there's this promise of redemption, but in Revelation, you find the accomplishment of that redemption. In Genesis, as a result of the fall, you find out that there is always evil continually. But in Revelation, nothing that defiles or is evil remains. It all is removed. It cannot be a part of the city. 
in, in the book of Genesis, there's this prophecy of the seed of the woman. Think about this, that God talks to the, the serpent and says, hey, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head and you're going to bite his heel. Speaking of the cross. But there's this prophecy of this thing called the seed of the woman. But in Revelation, what we find is that that seed of the woman has really grown and has become the root and the offspring of David. And that's actually one of the names of Jesus, that he is the root and the offspring of David. That the seed has grown up and has become established as something. Aren't those just amazing parallels? Now, obviously, if you continue through the book of Genesis, you actually find even more parallels to the book of Revelation. For example, in Genesis, you begin to see the foundation of the enemies of God, which are all a picture of the flesh. For example, Babylon is founded and you see Sodom and Egypt. And all of those later on in the book of Revelation are dealt with. I think that's just amazing. And obviously, there are several key themes that show up here that really trace their way all the way through scripture and find their fulfillment in Revelation 21, 22. For example, there's all that bride language. And in a future podcast, I'm going to be playing the sermon that I preached several weeks ago at a conference where I was looking at this bride language in all of scripture. It really is just beautiful and profound. There's this building language that though it started as a garden in, in Genesis has grown up to be a city in Revelation. In fact, it's fascinating to me that Adam was made out of the clay of the earth. And yet we find that the city was made out of precious stones. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says, guess what you are? You are a living stone. And the only way for a piece of clay to become a stone is that it must be forged. It must be pressed. It must have intensity. Fire must come to it. Pressure, persecution, difficulty. Isn't it amazing that Jesus consistently said, don't Hey, don't worry about the persecution. Hey, in fact, rejoice. Why? Because if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And it's in that trial. It's in that process. It's in that hardening. It's in that shaping fire blaze of circumstance and situation that we find ourselves going from clay to a living stone. Wow, what a reality. And then we find that those living stones in Ephesians chapter 2 are being built together on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone. But you are literally being tightly, fit, fitly framed together, being built up into a building, which we find out in Revelation is actually an entire city. Wow, what a what a reality. What a, what a great thought. Because you realize that the city of heaven is not made out of brick. Brick is man-made. It's, it's out of the flesh. That men... Men create things and, oh, men build bricks. But see, men do not create stones. That those Stones are God-made. So you begin to see all these themes tracing through. So you have that bride language. You have all this building and stone language. You find life being an essential theme all through Scripture. You have this idea of water, specifically living water, as a kind of a, a theme running through all of Scripture. And obviously, all of this points to Jesus Christ. That this redemptive storyline that, wow, man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what has Jesus done? He is all throughout scripture seeking a bride. He's seeking this counterpart. He's seeking relationship. So he came, here's God coming in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ to redeem humanity back. And not just to forgive us of our sins. That is phenomenal. But it wasn't just merely to forgive us of our sins. And that obviously is a huge aspect. But see, the forgiveness of sins was so that we could be filled with his very presence, that we could be vessels, vessels, a, a crack pot, as Paul would say, that we're vessels showing forth the glory of God, 
that here is, here is God and he wants to do something in and through our life to literally multiply his image and show forth his glory and declare who he is to all the nations. And he's using you and I, and it's this redemptive storyline all through scripture. Why? Because he's desirous that we might have life and relationship in him. Well, I would love to hear the parallels that you discovered. So if you found ones that I did not see, well, I would love to hear them. And I would encourage you to go to this post on Facebook on, on the Deeper Christian page and leave a comment. I really look forward to what you've discovered. Well, thanks as always for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including that whole list of parallels as well as the scripture references to each of those, and I would encourage you at some point to dive into this even deeper and just look at these scriptures and just see how God has paralleled the early part of Genesis with the later part of the book of Revelation. And notice how many of these themes actually trace their way all through scripture, obviously climaxing and pointing to the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you can do all of that on the show notes page at deeperchristian.com forward slash 71 for episode number 71. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.